Welcome to your Breakthrough Blueprint. I'm your host, Becky Oste, a wife, mom, and trauma-informed marriage coach. After a decade of trying all the mainstream modalities of healing to save my marriage, I found myself two kids later separated and on the verge of divorce. That's when I stumbled upon the unconventional game changer of somatic work that not only resurrected my dying marriage, but bled into breakthroughs in my parenting, purpose, spirituality, health, wealth, business, and more in just six months. My intention with this podcast is simple. Through every weekly episode, my goal for you is that one, you realize how insanely collective our struggles are, that you're not even close to alone. Two, that you can laugh a little because God knows we need it. And three, that you walk away with actionable advice on how to design your unique blueprint for your breakthrough life. So get your earbuds in, grab your coffee so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to an exciting episode. Today, I have Kendall Laney on the podcast, and she has a wild story, guys. We've connected through Instagram, and I couldn't wait to have her on and get to know even deeper the details of really how she found a life that's full of purpose and meaning, very aligned, anchored life she lives now, um, even when the odds were completely stacked against her. So before we dive in, Kenda, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do? Yes. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me. I love doing podcast interviews. It's so fun. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So my husband and I started our company, Lady Media, about four years ago now. And essentially what we do is we help business owners drive traffic organically to their business using social media so they don't have to run ads or anything like that. And we specialize in short form content that's infused with sales psychology. So it's a lot of fun. We work with thousands of people in the online space and I just absolutely love it. Yay. Yay to no ads. That's so great. I know a lot of us have different struggles. Everyone listening has a a myriad of different struggles. And sometimes when we look at things on paper, we think that these challenges or these struggles or these life situations, these chronic illnesses, these whatever the thing is, we think these are reasons that we're not going to be able to be successful or break through in whatever area that is. And I know you're living proof that it's quite the opposite. (laughs) seems like this was even fuel for you. I don't know. That's just a guess. But can you tell us about the challenges that you had to overcome as much as you want to share? Yeah. So I was born with a rare form of eye cancer called bilateral retinoblastoma, a little bit of a mouthful. And at the time that I was diagnosed, there was a 2% survival rate. So very just lucky to be here in general, but growing up with cancer and going through the treatments and all of that, it really forces you to, I'd say, grow up faster. (laughs) And oftentimes with just having to go to doctors, be pulled out of school, constantly you can't get sick or you can't have your treatments, right? There's a lot of things that go into it. It starts to become a part, at least for me, of your identity in a not so positive way. And I always fought the term survivor and it just made me nauseous because people would be like, oh, you're so brave. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. All I did was not die. The doctors did everything. And so I always hated that. And then because of my cancer, I had my right eye removed at six weeks old. So I had a prosthetic and there was just never really an opportunity for me to be 
normal, a normal kid. Mm-hmm. I was always different and was treated differently by the other the other kids and picked on and all of that fun stuff that happens when you're a kid that has something different about you. And again, I just fought that for the longest time. And it was just, why did this happen to me? Why can't I be normal? Why can't I be like everyone else? Mm. And it wasn't until I got a lot older that I started to um, realize that I could take what I'd been through and leverage it in a positive way rather than just trying to ignore it and pretend like it didn't happen. Um, and, And it's a funny little butterfly effect because as a result of my cancer, that's what got me into therapeutic horseback riding. And I started barrel racing and I ended up, I have six horses now and I barrel race competitively and I was a rodeo queen and did all of that. And because of that industry I was involved in, I ended up just as a favor to a mentor in that space doing social media management when I was in high school, just because I was a teenager that understood social media and that was valuable um, to this person. And so I worked with her for a couple of years. And because of that, I had the knowledge of social media and marketing and growing and scaling multiple eight figure businesses. When I went to college, I originally thought I wanted to go to law school. And when I met my husband, I ended up switching my major from political science to software engineering. And I began building websites for people and taking on clients. And then it just came full circle because people needed help driving traffic to their website. They needed marketing. They needed all of that. So I shifted into social media management. And then once my personal brand kind of exploded on TikTok, then I shifted into consulting. So really none of this, none of the business that we have, the people that we've been able to serve, none of that would be possible if it wasn't for that diagnosis, which led me to the horse industry, which eventually led me to what we do now. Wow. Wow. So the first thing that stood out to me from that is something that I think even if people can't relate to your exact situation, they can relate to that heart cry of like, why did this happen to me? And why can't I be like everyone else? Mm -hmm. I think that can come up in a lot of different ways. Even for 2023, one of the most downloaded episodes was life's not supposed to be this way. It's a solo episode I did on just like when everything's happening against what you think it should look like. It's a really depressing and scary and lonely place to be and a lot of suffering can happen there and so i think that heart cry resonates a lot with me with my audience and the why can't i be like everyone else i really believe kenda the single source of all human suffering can be boiled down to a severed sense of love and belonging So if you're growing up with that paradigm, that worldview of dang, from the get-go, I don't have a shot at being like everyone else. And not only that, but now I'm getting, I'm imagining bullied, you alluded to, made fun of. It's just trauma, like very early on. I joke about it now, but there was a game that kids would play on the playground. They'd chase me around, try to hit me in the back of the head so that my eye would go flying out. They thought that was a really fun game. And- it's that was just one of many 
experiences and I'm sure that so many people can relate to being bullied for a variety of different reasons, but it does. It's why can't I just be normal and fit in? Why am I being singled out in this way? It's just so unfair. And I think that what can be the most valuable to people is eventually when you get to the place where instead of questioning why you're different, if you can start to leverage those differences for a positive, mm-hmm. then you can really start to get somewhere and start to overcome that. Can I ask how long you were bullied for? Was this your entire childhood? Was there ever a point where it ended or you started, I don't know, getting stood up for or stand up for yourself or? It was probably, it was mostly until kids grew out of it. So it was most of my life from kindergarten, first grade through, I'd say fifth slash sixth is when it stopped because I feel like, yeah, at that point people just grew out of it and my family also moved. And so it was just a different setting with kids I hadn't grown up with my whole life. And so I was able to represent myself rather than being the weird one-eyed kid. They just didn't yeah. know anything about me. And so it, it was it was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a fresh start, I can imagine. And then with therapeutic, you called it therapeutic horse racing or barrel racing? Horse, horseback riding. So Yeah. So it's something that is incredible that I don't think people talk enough about. It's also referred to as equine therapy. Mm -hmm. And I just, that's just how I got into riding. And then I myself started barrel racing and got involved in rodeo, but it's just something I was good at that I loved. But equine therapy is incredible because horses without getting a little bit too woo woo. (laughs) No, you can whatever you want here. Horses just, they're a mirror. And so you see the good and bad parts of yourself reflected back in them. And they can really, they feed off of your emotions. When you're scared, they know it. When you're sad, they know it. When you're excited, they know it. And they feed off of that. And so having that partnership with an animal, and it's different than it's different than like a dog or a cat um, or a smaller animal because there's such a high level of trust that has to be there because they're bigger than you. Yeah. They can hurt you if they wanted to, but they don't. And so there's such a different level of trust and understanding and mutual respect that has to be there for you to work well and cooperate with another animal of that size and to get on their back and put your life in their hands. It forces you to separate from yourself and then also become kind of one with yourself at the same time. And when you're able to connect with another animal in that, like another creature in that way, it's different than a form of human connection because there's absolutely no judgment. There's absolutely Mm -hmm. no fear or biases or anything. It's just a trust and partnership and respect to be able to ride an animal of that size safely and and work with them so it it, and of course then there's the more tangible benefits where 
it helps you with depth perception and balance and mm-hmm. so many things because specifically where I went, it was a place for children with cancer and other kind of terminal illnesses. So there were people with more physical things, more mental things, and it really just creates just incredible differences and results in no matter what you're going through. Wow. It makes sense. I wouldn't have thought of a lot of that, what you just said, but it makes sense, especially the difference. Cause when you first said equine therapy, I'm like, yeah, just like dogs how people it's therapeutic to, but it is different. It is different when you make that point of no, they're huge. And I have had friends who've lost people to horse accidents because they are very powerful animals. And so I didn't consider that, that yeah, your life is in their hands in a different way than when you're getting free therapy from your doggy. Yep. But my friends have, they went to a retreat at the aerial BVI, the Virgin islands. It's where a lot of my friends do repeat retreats and they have horses there, therapeutic horses. And I'm always looking at the pictures. I haven't gone yet. It's on my bucket list, but where they paint different words on the horses and they have a therapy session where, yeah, they're touching the horses. They're releasing a lot of what has bonded them and subconscious limiting beliefs and that's what they have all told me was that they horses are mirrors to our emotions and from what i've heard it's incredibly powerful and emotional and a huge way to release trauma in a, a different kind of way that a lot of people i feel don't talk about so i love that you brought this up and that was just your path and what i hear you saying too is like we there's different stages of consciousness we talked about this in my client group a couple months ago but we all start when we go through trauma with this victim consciousness and i think that word victim can get a bad rap we can feel shame like oh i don't want to be a victim but it's like actually you are by definition like something happened outside of your control and it has brought trauma into your life and so that is where we start it is the why me it is a natural heart cry but then we can move into into this mobilized mobilizing energy this kind of next level of consciousness where it's the fight flight reactions and it seems like the horseback riding helped you get into this different channeling your energy towards wow what if i can do something good with this and actually heal and i don't have to stay stuck in this victim mode and then the levels beyond that is now how can i use this for a purpose and help the collective consciousness and healing grow so did i hear you you right Kenda that you said in high school you started scaling an eight-figure business yeah that's when I started you doing that so casually it's like what? <laughs> what was that like that sets you apart from your friends in a completely different way that was at the point that I just embraced being different and was like I I guess I'm am I better that TikTok sound am I better than everyone <laughs> it's where I started to embrace those differences but yeah I that the mentor that I mentioned I started you know doing social media management and just helping and social media was the main lead source for her business and so she now has multiple several different multiple eight-figure businesses and so that's how I got my start and I just remember she had made a comment to me that was like these other people are on Pinterest and they're selling the same products that I'm selling. Can you look at it? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. And that's how kind of things started to 
spiral from there because now that's one of the core pillars of our business is teaching Pinterest marketing. Um, wow. So it's wow. just, it, it's funny how things have really come full circle. I imagine like it's in a negative sense, the way you're used to feeling on the outside and different than your peers growing up. But in some ways this prepared you to make this global impact you're making now helping so many people and being able to say, yes, I am the proud business owner of multiple eight figure businesses. You have to have the capacity in your nervous system on that end of it as well to stand out, even if it's like in a good way or in a, a way that you're like, I don't feel like a victim. This is my dreams, but still that can be very triggering for a lot of people, whether it's for the bad or for the good, when you are stepping outside of the collective norm. So in some ways, I think that's inspiring. It must've helped. It definitely did. And it's, you get to a place where you go from being like, I'm just different to yes, I'm different. And you get to a place where you can leverage that as a positive and even just with having cancer and being involved in like I said rodeo cleaning and all of that and some media training I somehow found myself on multiple stages just sharing my story and whether it was for a fundraiser for a cancer foundation or if it was something for rodeo and so that also prepared me in a lot of ways because then when it came time for me to build my own brand on social media and see what I could do I wasn't afraid of speaking to the public. I wasn't afraid of lots of people seeing me. I wasn't afraid of what people might possibly say about me. And if you scroll back on my TikTok, there's probably hundreds, I would venture thousands of comments, which are like, what's wrong with your eye? Why do you look like that? Why is your face like that? My personal favorite was you look like an emoji that got run over. Oh my God. (laughs) It's my personal favorite. I have it screenshotted. And so... I think it really prepared me in in a positive way because I'd heard it all going to school. I'd heard it all from other people my age. And so from strangers on the internet, it really didn't make that big of an impact. Whereas for a lot of people, just one of those comments would have been shattering. Yep. And it just didn't matter to me because I was like, yep, get in line. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. No, that, that shatters a lot of people. I remember when I started growing and those comments started coming, I was forewarned, but it didn't make it any less rattling for me. I just wasn't used to people being so mean. I'm like, you know, I didn't ask for this, but it totally builds some thick skin and you get better at it. So man, you had a lifetime of practice. So I'd imagine by that time you're like, I love that. Get in line. The fact that you're able to even laugh about it now, like what do you attribute your healing to? Was it the equine therapy or is there or any other big things that helped you get to this place now? I think the equine therapy was definitely a huge turning point for me, but I would say, honestly, every day is another thing that kind of steals me against those comments because the more that I continue to grow and the more that I continue to see the impact, the more I am able to have that thick skin. Yeah. I think that even from the beginning, my very first client that I had once I switched to consulting, she her big goal was she wanted to make enough so that she could move across the country because her dad had just died. Mm -hmm. And she was able to do that within the first month that we spent together. 
and so that was one and then mm-hmm. just one after another i've been able to through just my talents with i'm just good at marketing i'm good at social media and so by being able to share that and teach it to other people i've been able to change so many people's circumstances and to see that and to see those transformations come about it's no longer about me it's no longer about me showing up on social media or me getting the hate comment or me getting the dig from the random person I went to high school with or the rando in my comment section. It's just, it's not about me anymore. It's about them. The energy I get from you and hearing everything you've accomplished and where you're at in life is total humility. And I'm just curious, what keeps you anchored and humble in all of this success? I don't know. To be honest, I've gotten variations of that question before. And I really appreciate that people see that humility in me. I feel like I don't always even see that in myself. Um, I think that honestly, just my family and my horses are still a big part of my life that kind of keep me anchored. And there is a saying, um, when I was barrel racing, it, you're only as good as your last run. Hmm. It doesn't matter if you won the world title. If the last time you went out and ran, you knocked over all three barrels, that was your last run. And so I just take it day by day. It's yes, we have these big accomplishments, but like not every day is a world title. And so yeah. I just stay in the moment of what's happening and focus on what I need to do. Because again, every day it's like, there's new clients that we need to serve and other people that need that help. Yeah. hundred percent. You're clearly a woman just living in her mission and in her purpose. And it's a purpose greater than yourself. And I'd imagine too, just your roots and your upbringing, that's enough humbling for anyone (laughs) in a lifetime. So I just appreciate that um, about your energy. I just wanted to reflect that to you. Can I ask how old you are, Kenda? <laughs> yeah, I'm 23. Um, <laughs> Amazing. So inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> I started our company as it is now when I was 20. I got married when I was 19, met my husband when I was 18. And we were married within three months of meeting. <laughs> you are fascinating. You just, the surprises keep coming. <laughs> There's always another layer. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I realized that I'm young and I think people, I get one of two reactions where like you did, where you're like, well, it's so inspiring, so impressive. And then other people are like, why are you rushing? Mm-hmm. And to me, like I mentioned, like having cancer forces you to grow up faster because there's very real decisions that are being made about your health and your life and things that most five-year-olds aren't yep. thinking about. And so when you pair that with just the way that my parents raised us, they never treated us like children. They just treated us like people, talked to us like people. And so between that and having the cancer, I guess I have a more real perception of the lack of time that we truly have. Yeah. And so I don't view it as rushing. If if you're ready to do something, then do it. 
don't let other people tell you that you're not capable or that you're not mature enough because there's a there's always a way to make things happen if you want to yeah and that's a lot of assumptions too for people to say they don't know if you're rushing or not this is unfolding at the pace that it sounds like it was destined for you and i can tell by your energy too that it's, i'm just in the flow and in my purpose and it's more like it's happening to me i'm not like chasing there's a difference and my listeners know i chased for a long time there's a lot of hyper achieving and hustling and fueled by fear type of wanting to achieve but Okay. So 23, you got married young, just like me. I was 21 and Sebastian was 23. So you're even younger. I'm curious. Cause this comes up a lot with my husband and I were married young. We had struggles. So I've had multiple people say, Oh, it's cause you got married so young. And in my head, I'm like, maybe, yes, I can see that because we were such different people back then, but also I know plenty of couples that were married young and are like the healthiest partnership ever. So I don't think, I think that's just a little too black and white to nail it on that. Curious your thoughts on if age matters in marriage. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think that age matters at all. My, my parents, they're 10 years apart. And so I think that with an age gap like that, a lot of people would go, Oh my goodness. And they were always very equals in, in their partnership. And I don't think that age really impacted them at all. And then when Soren and I got married, now granted, we've only been married about five years now. We, when we first met, <laughs> we, within a couple weeks of talking and getting to know each other, it wasn't like it was a rush to get married. It was just as we got to know each other, it was like, obviously, this is what's going to happen. Obviously, we're going to get married. There's no way that you and I, knowing what we know about each other, are not going to get married. We're not going to go marry someone else. It was like, obviously, this is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And we just followed that. And things fell into place for us really well. We got married on my parents' anniversary. Oh, <laughs> Funny. And we got married in the same place that both his parents, my parents, and a couple generations of grandparents got married. And it's funny because they were closing for renovations for four years. They're still closed. They ended up extending it because of COVID and everything. And we knew that they were going to be closing. And it was like, okay, do we want to, is it really important to us to get married there? Or is it, should we get married somewhere else? Or should we wait? And Soren was like, just, just call. I'm sure they're fully booked out. They're closing. This was in November of 2019. And we just met in October of 2019. He just called to see if they have a date. So they're closing at the end of December. I'm sure they're fully booked. And sure enough, they had one slot on the last day, then the last couple hours that they were open. I was like, great, I'll take it. That's I'm not even engaged, but I'll take it. So I'm <laughs> back. I'm like, hey, no pressure. We could totally cancel it if you want to. But they did have a date. And he was like, okay. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, when my grandparents were married 68 years and their first date, my grandpa took her out and was pushing her on a swing and was like, I'm going to marry you one day. And she was slow your old buster. But <laughs> they had, yeah, six decades together, almost seven and 10 kids later. So 
I just wish you the best. Oh my gosh. In your marriage and your life and your business moving on. I could ask you a million more questions, Kenda, but just for time's sake, I'm curious on this note of purpose and so much it's a buzzword, right? Like finding your purpose, stepping into your purpose. I'm just curious what your beliefs are on like, I'm getting esoteric and spiritual here, baby. So share whatever you want to or don't, but like, why are we here in the first place? What are your beliefs? And then what's, is it necessary for us to find our purpose? What comes to mind for you? Such an interesting combination of like where my beliefs come from. Even though I look white as white can be, my mom is Native American, her family is. And yeah, I know you'd never be able to tell by looking at me. My dad's white. (laughs) My dad's super white. I guess that's where I get it from. My mom is also super white. You can't tell by looking at her either, but her family is Native American. And, And then I was also raised Christian. And so I had a very interesting combination from both my parents being Christian, but then also my mom really leans into her Native American beliefs that were passed on to her from her family and research that she's done. And so I, it's interesting. And I, I saw a post about it on social media and it just really resonated with me. And it, it was something to the fact of Christians call it God, Native Americans call it the great spirit right? Muslims, they call it Allah. We talk about the manifestation space. We talk about the universe. We talk about all of these different things and nobody's arguing about whether or not it exists. We're just Mm. arguing about what to call it. And I really like that. And I come down on the side of, of course, being raised Christian, but I, something that I'll just share with you is like a testimony builder, if you wish. When I was going through treatments, my parents talk about it all the time that they didn't want to have to put me under again because I'd been under anesthesia a ton and I was a baby. It was really hard. And they Mm. had just done a radioactive plaque implant. They were doing cryotherapy and I was supposed to go under anesthesia again. And my parents just really didn't want to do that. And my mom and dad were both just praying and praying and praying about what they should do because they didn't feel like it was good for me healthy to go under anesthesia again. And they told the doctors, they're like, you need to do another scan before you put her under because we just really feel like the cancer is gone. And the doctors were like, you're insane. (laughs) The cancer's not, cancer's not. This is the standard procedure. And sure enough, the cancer was gone. Wow. Um, I, that, that's a really strong kind of pillar of Mm. what I've believed in growing up and believing in God. And I know that I honestly, I know that Christianity is a touchy subject because especially on social media, I have to say Christians don't act like Christians anymore. They don't act the way that they should. They're not welcoming. They're not loving. They're not Christ-like. And it's really, it's disgusting to be honest. So I feel like it gets a bad rap, but yeah, it's, that's where I come from. And so when I think about like a purpose, I think about, and I believe that people have callings that they're just innately good at and things that they're meant to do. And similarly to what we were talking about, just even with my story, how it's almost like I was led down this path, like I, it's not like I made a ton of 
crazy decisions to, to get here. It's just everything fell into place. And so I think that if you look at what you enjoy and what you're good at, and you allow things to fall into place, then you'll end up doing what you're supposed to be doing, what your calling is. That's wild to hear you say that I was led down this path and things fell into place and I eventually made it to my calling. I bet you didn't feel that way at the beginning. Of course not. And no one feels that way at the beginning, especially when you're going through and, and everyone has a story. Everybody has an illness or issues with their family or financial or whatever it is. Honestly, just about everyone has something that they've had to walk through. But if you, rather than running from it, if you can lean into it and really think about how you can use that experience you've had as horrible as it was to serve other people, I think that air of service and using your experience to serve others is ultimately where you'll find that happiness and that peace that you're looking for. So well said and so beautiful and so much of what you just, how you even answered that question, that deep question I threw at you, that really all of that resonated me. Grew up Christian, still resonate with Christianity. Like I can't deny Jesus's claims. Like they're too radical to not consider and everything I've studied. I'm like, I think the dude really was who he said he was. <laughs> I love the way you said that. I think he was who he said he was. I think he was personally, but, and then I don't know. I know some people believe in past lives and reincarnation. I don't know about that, but if that's true, I think you've lived many lives because you at the age of 23 have more wisdom than many of the people that I have on this show. And truly, I'm not just saying this. You're one of the fascinating, most fascinating people I've ever interviewed. So Thank you for coming on. Do you have any last pieces of advice for people who may be in the thick of it or on the verge of what they think may feel like stepping into their purpose? What advice practically can you give to a listener? Oh, this is always what I say. And my dad always told me, never make the mistake of thinking that other people think the way that you do, because you'll save yourself a lot of heartache. You'll be able to protect yourself and it will give you a lot of perspective that's often needed as you're navigating your life and dealing with other people so so wise oh my gosh your parents sound awesome how much they've advocated for you it sounds like since birth and uh, I hope we get to continue a conversation soon thank you for coming on and for taking the time and where can people find you I'll link whatever you want in the show notes Oh, you're so sweet. People can find me literally. I'm all over the internet. I'm <laughs> Kenda.Laney on Instagram. I'm Kendalaney on TikTok, Laney Media on TikTok. We have a couple different accounts. I'm on YouTube. We have a podcast, Social Media Millionaire. We're all over the place. <laughs> all over. She's breaking the internet. You heard it from her right here. Thank you, Kenda. Huge hugs to you. I hope you have a great weekend and we'll talk soon. Ah, I'm honored you found today's episode worth your listen and time to hang out with me today. You know, for some of us, this podcast is just the thing you need to support you towards your breakthrough. But for others, we know we need a deeper level of support and guidance. So if you're a highly ambitious woman who's ready to repair deep, unshakable connection in your marriage, I'd love to tell you about my client coaching program called Root to Rise. 
This is the life-changing transformational container that will teach you exactly how to launch your marriage to the next level by moving trauma out of your body and stepping back into your power. Even if you've already tried everything, even if you're caught on the fence of should I stay or should I go, and even if your husband's not on board today. So look for my link in the show notes to book a call with me and we'll just talk about what's working, what's not, where you want to go. And very easily, I'll be able to tell you if and how I can help you. And if not me, I can still point you in the direction of some resources that can. So either way, tons of clarity. We'll have some fun getting to know each other while we're at it. And that's it for today. Huge hugs, my friend. I'll chat with you next Friday.